Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider Com. I invite you to check out my website, lightninginsider.com, of course, for all the latest updates, insight, analysis, everything you can get from a website covering the team. Uh, check out my son's work. Uh, Kevin's out of school looking for a broadcasting job, a little hard to find right now in the sports world. Uh, so he's been doing some great diary updates for the website. So check that out uh, if you can. And today we're going to look ahead to round two because it's coming at you fast. Tampa Bay finished off their series on Wednesday against the Columbus Blue Jackets and a no rest for the weary as they turn around now four days later and have to open up the second round against the Boston Bruins, a very familiar opponent and all that played out because Philadelphia did knock off the Montreal Canadiens in six games with their victory on Friday night. And uh, second round comes at you fast. Uh, the schedule, by the way, if you didn't see it, it is a little bit of an unusual schedule. Uh, look, this is, everything is unusual about this, right? Like, there's no, nothing makes sense in a lot of ways. There are potential for two scheduled back-to-backs in this series. And in fact, both Eastern Conference series, the other one being between Philadelphia and the New York Islanders, is uh, also scheduled to have two potential back-to-back. So games two and three in this series against the Boston Bruins will be back-to-back, and a potential games six and seven could be back-to-back. So it's going to come at you fast. Uh, it's a potential of seven games in about 11 days. Now there's no travel involved like there normally is, of course, with the bubble situation and uh, the remaining four teams staying in Toronto. This, of course, will be the last round that'll take place in the Toronto bubble as the conference finals as well as the Stanley Cup final are scheduled to take place in Edmonton. So after this round, the two remaining teams in the Eastern Conference will head to Edmonton. So uh, get ready for it. It's going to come fast. All right, we're going to discuss a few things on this edition today. Uh, The first one is going to be, let's talk about those back-to-backs. It's not totally unprecedented to have back-to-back games in a playoffs. I mean, it happens. Sometimes there's building availability issues and that. Not the case here. You know, if you want to remember back to 2016, 50, I forget. I think it was a 2015 playoffs where that was the game three against Montreal that Tyler Johnson scored with 1.1 second left on the clock to beat Montreal. That was actually a back-to-back situation. Games three and games four both took place at Amelie Arena. 
uh, in that series. So um, it's not unprecedented. I remember in 2004, first round against the Islanders, games five and six were scheduled to be back-to-back. Game five was at Amelie Arena. Game six was scheduled to be back at the Nassau Coliseum uh, in that series. Of course, that was the Marty St. Louis overtime winner um, that year. So it's not unprecedented to have back-to-backs. It is to have two scheduled back-to-backs. And I don't know if this information is 100% accurate. I can't validate it. It'd be hard to get information on it on on this short of notice before we talk today. But it makes sense. I had somebody explain to me that it was costing the league up to $2 million per day to run everything in Toronto. So the sooner they can clear out of Toronto, the more money that they're going to save because they have all the hotel space and everything in Edmonton mapped out all the way through the end of the Stanley Cup final, of course. So again, I I don't know how valid that information is, but boy, it does certainly sound like something that would be the case. And if that is the case, if you can squeeze those games in, they're going to. And obviously, you've seen the schedule for both teams. Now, what does this mean for both teams? Bruce Cassidy, the Boston Bruins head coach, was asked about this. What was his initial reaction to the schedule? And first of all, it surprises me that they wouldn't give the coaches and the teams a little heads up on this might take place because he said he was caught off guard by it. He wasn't expecting it. Did say it was a bit of a challenge that the Bruins themselves are going to have to go through, but really both teams are going to be affected by it, including the Flyers and the Islanders. They, too, will be affected by this. Um, You know, the Bruins are a little bit of an older team. Brad Marchand, of course, came out back in April, May, whenever this thought process was going on for this return to play, and he talked about how potentially an older team like the Bruins might struggle a little bit more to kind of get them going. Well, if that's the case, they might be more affected by this than the Lightning. Now, the Lightning certainly aren't void of veteran players. Ryan McDonough, Alex Kalorn, you know, they have some guys who are in their 30s. Pat Maroon. Um, so you, but you would think that it's just sort of the way things are, are spread out with Bergeron, the amount of minutes that he plays, and Marshan with the amount of minutes that he plays, and Zdeno Chara doesn't play as many minutes as he used to, but, you know, he's in his 40s. You know, what would it, it mean to him to have to play back-to-back? But here's the biggest issue of them all, and I, I'm really curious to see how both teams are going to handle this going forward, and that's the goaltending. Again, games two and three are back-to-back. That's a potential big, big swing in a series. Whether it's 1-1 or another team is up 2-0, that third game is a big swing. And the Lightning are much better suited to handle this back-to-back situation from a goaltending perspective as the Bruins are for two reasons. Number one, for the Bruins, from the Bruins' standpoint, they don't have Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask did leave the team a couple of weeks ago, right before they were supposed to play Game 3 against the Carolina Hurricanes. So he is not with the team. That's a big hit to the Bruins. You know, they were the Jennings Trophy winners this year, I believe, and that's the uh, goaltenders that share the best goals against average for the season. So Yarrow Halak is the backup there now. Now he's the number one guy. Well, their backup is an AHL goaltender. 
and you know Bruce Cassidy again brought this up on how they're going to handle that. He's not sure yet, and maybe the series dictates it. But do you start a goaltender like Halak, who he saw plenty of time this year? Don't don't take the fact that he didn't play any games and he's not going to be ready and he's not going to be in a situation to where, you know, he's not sharp because he got plenty of time with the Bruins this year. There was even a point in time where there was discussions about potentially maybe Halak should be the guy because Rask ended up starting 41 games and Halak started 29. And Halak's got good numbers, 2.39 goals against 919 save percentage. That's again, during the regular season, and you saw what he was able to accomplish against the Hurricanes in round one. He won all three games to close out that series. And this is probably all you really need to know about Yarrow Halak. When Jonas Corposalo was brilliant, really, through the first couple of games of the series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, their goaltender, you, you might have heard the phrase, oh my gosh, they're getting halakked. Well, that's in reference to Yarrow Halak because it was 10 years ago, granted 10 years ago, that he absolutely stood on his head and stoned the Washington Capitals for the Montreal Canadiens in their first round series and actually carried Montreal to the conference final that year. Uh, but he just he stymied and frustrated the Capitals in a seven-game upset uh, in that series to send the very heavily favored Washington Capitals home after the first round. But it was because of Halak, so therefore you might hear that reference now, oh my gosh, they're getting Halaked. Well, that's in reference to Yarrow Halak. So he is a capable and quality NHL goaltender, even at the age of 35. So with that in mind, here's the advantage of the lighting half. Are the Bruins going to start? Their goaltender, now their number one goaltender in back-to-back nights, games two and three, they could. Problem is there's not rest and recovery, so there's there's not like a back-to-back and then two days off. No, 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 no. Game one is Sunday. Game two is Tuesday. Game three is Wednesday. Game four is Friday. Sunday, you see the pattern there. So it's not like you get a couple of days to rest and recover. So do you start... Yara Halaka back-to-back nights, and this is where Tampa Bay has the advantage. They have a younger Andre Vasilevsky. Vezina finalist, certainly capable of starting on back-to-back nights. We've seen him do it a few times during the regular season. Not so much this year, but he, he certainly did last year. And I'll have to look up the numbers and maybe tweet them out at some point what his record is on back-to-back nights. But they have that advantage. The other advantage that the Lightning have, if they decide to not start their goalies on consecutive nights, either team, well, that's a decided advantage for Tampa Bay. Because Curtis McElhaney, even though he hasn't played any games since we got back to um, back to play, he is a more than capable, he understands his role, he knows what his role is, if they need him to step in, he can step in. We, we've we seen him do it before. He's gotten some of those tough, difficult assignments during the season when you know he was the guy starting on the back-to-back nights. He got the harder game just because travel, all that. So he's capable of doing it. The Bruins, on the other hand, their backup is 
Dan Vladder. They should just call him Darth, but Dan Vladder is his name. Uh, he has no NHL experience. He is a draft pick from just a couple of years ago. He was a 2015 draft pick, and he spent the past few years in the Bruins system, played 31 games with the Providence Bruins in the 18-19 season, spent 25 years or 25 games with the uh, Providence Bruins this year. Good numbers, 1.79 goals against, 936 save percentage. Those are really good numbers for the American Hockey League. But he's never appeared in the NHL game. So do they risk putting him in a game? His first NHL game is in the middle of a playoff series in round two against two very quality opponents. I don't know. So I think there's an advantage for Tampa Bay in the schedule. From a goaltending standpoint, from the rest of it, I, I don't know how big of an advantage it is. I mean, both teams, again, are going through the situation. They're both in the same hotel, all that. So both teams have to go through it. So uh, it'll be interesting to to kind of keep an eye on how teams deal with that. All right, the next thing I want to cover is the situation, the matchup situation. How how does each coach handle this? Because it was a couple years ago, second round, two thousand and eighteen where there was a lot of focus on Andre uh, Braden Point and his line matched up against Patrice Bergeron and his line. In the first game of that series between the two teams, Bergeron's line got the better of them. They dominated. Uh, I think Braden Point ended up as a minus five in that game. I'm pretty confident that that's probably the only time Braden Point has been a minus five in his career. Juniors, whatever. Pretty sure he's never been a minus five. Uh, Lightning lost that game 6-2. But his line came back the next game, and they were the ones who had the better of the play. Even when the series shifted up to Boston for games three and four, Bruce Cassidy stuck with that matchup. They got last change. He stuck. He wanted the Bergeron line out against the point line. And remember, this is Braden Point's second NHL season. And again, Point's line was the one that came out and got the better of the play. And that continued as the series went on. And in games two, three, four, and five, because the Lightning did win that series in five games, I don't believe the Bergeron line scored an even strength point the rest of the series. So I would expect Braden Point to not get that matchup this time around. Because I think they're going to want to get Sorelli's line out there. I think that's the line that they're going to want to match up. We saw it in the regular season. Remember, these two teams met twice just before the pause. We know the game on March the 7th. That was the game that featured about 98 penalty minutes, and I looked it up. There were 13 penalties that were either roughing, unsportsmanlike conduct, or fighting. So you saw the emotions in that game. Well, they had played two games prior. That was a game at Amelie Arena that... The, the Bruins won 2-1. to one. But in that game, we saw Sorelli's line out there against the Bergeron line. John Cooper's going to want to get that again. He's going to want to free up Point Kucherov and Palat in more of an offensive situation. Because, you know, when I heard somebody ask this question during the, the Bruins 
availability today that he felt the Bruins had more depth. And they don't know who that was looking at the rosters and, and determining that the Bruins had better depth in this series because they don't. The Bruins have to rely on Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak. And remember, Pasternak's not 100% healthy. He did miss games three and four against Carolina in that series. So we don't know how healthy he is. But beyond that, I mean, they need more production. And they got it in the clinching game uh, against Carolina from Jake DeBrusque. And they have Charlie Coyle, who was a big reason why they got to the Stanley Cup final last year because of his play in the playoffs. They have to have that. Because if the Bergeron line can get shut down like it was in 2018, the Bruins don't have the scoring depth to overcome it, whereas the Lightning have the Sorelli line can score goals. Sorelli had 19 goals last year as a rookie. Finished with 16 this year. Alex Kalorn, 26 goal scorer. Tyler Johnson's a 29 goal scorer. Not this year, but he has that ability. And then you look at the production that you got out of Yanni Gord's line. Well, Yanni Gord is a 20 goal scorer. Blake Coleman is a 20 goal scorer. So they have guys that can put the puck in the back of the net and lower line levels on a consistent basis. That's been a big problem for the Bruins. Now they get the Sean Corrales and you know, the Chris Wagners. They occasionally chip in. And they're going to need that if they think that they're going to be able to overcome the Lightning in this series. But I expect that John Cooper, remember, even though the Bruins are the President's Trophy winner, it'll actually be the Lightning to have the quote-unquote home ice advantage in this series. So they get last change in games one, two, five, and 7. I would fully expect that John Cooper starts with the Sorelli line out against the Bergeron line. That'll be the matchup to keep an eye on. Another big key that is going to take place in this series, to me, is special teams. In the first round against Columbus, the power plays were 19-10 to 10 in favor of Columbus. So the power play opportunities were 2-1. to one. Columbus had almost double the amount of power play opportunities that Tampa Bay have. If that's going to be the case in this series, the Lightning are going to struggle. The Bruins have a dangerous power play. Columbus didn't. So if you're going to put Bergeron, Marshan, Krug, Pasternak on the power play, that many times in a series, you're, you're going to struggle. You can't expect to be able to kill it off every time. You're going to get burned by it. The latest news and insight with the Lightning is found here on the Lightning Insider Podcast. Here again is Eric Erlinson. So if you're the Lightning, you want to keep this at five on five as much as possible, especially if you're not going to be able to draw penalties. And that, that to me is the big thing. I did ask John Cooper that question before the series started. Are you better suited for this to be a five-on-five series? Well, he's like, I'd like to get some power plays. You know, you'd like to be on the power play a little bit. They didn't, didn't have a lot of chance to work on it. And the other thing about that is, too, is you don't get a lot of practice time. Like, because of that five-overtime game to start the first-round series, that really sort of messed up their practice schedule. So they beat Columbus on a Wednesday. They took Thursday and Friday off. They actually golfed on Friday, which I think was huge. Uh, All the teams had the opportunity to kind of get out and have a golf day. The league set that up. So there's no practice Thursday or Friday. All you have is Saturday. Boom, you have to start the series on Sunday. Now you'll have a morning skate. Now you're back to a little bit of a routine situation because um, we don't have start times for games five, six, or seven. But 
games one through four are all either seven, seven thirty, or eight. So you're back to a normal schedule. So you at least get the morning skate to kind of work on things. But then again, you got the back to backs, and you got to sort of tie all that in, and how you're going to manage your your player schedule. But I think if you're the Lightning, you're you're better suited at five on five uh, in in this series rather than trying to play special teams game. Because I'm going to give you some numbers, and I did look at these coming in, and this is what would sort of um, kind of keep an eye on for for this series. The the Corsi four, which is shot attempts. You, if you listen to me before, you know I kind of follow that stat quite a bit. Um, the Bruins actually had more shot attempts in the four games during the regular season. wasn't by much. It's only ten more. Um, but here's here's the the Tampa Bay uh, in these again. Again, this is all five on five, so this does not include power plays. The Lightning actually had more. Um, more shots on goal, uh, 54%. They actually had a higher expected goals than Boston in the four games. And But here's here's the one that would, would sh- should worry you as a Lightning fan a little bit. The Bruins had more scoring chances. They had uh, 50, almost 53% of the scoring chances. Again, not a great margin, but it shows you the type of opportunities that they can create. The Bruins, to me, are one of the best teams in creating plays down low, especially that Bergeron line. They have an innate ability to find each other in tight quarters, and you've got to be aware of that. You, your, net, your net coverage has to be key, has to be dead on, because they can create scoring chances sometimes out of nothing. And that's not just the Bergeron line. They're the best at it, but the other lines do the same thing. So that's why I think you want to keep this five-on-five five as much as possible to try and maintain it. And the other key for me in this is be patient. We saw it in game one against Columbus. Saw it in game two against Columbus. Really, for the first three games of that series against the Blue Jackets, we saw how patient they could be when the Lightning and the Bruins faced off in the round robin, a game that was 1-3-2 by Tampa Bay. A late Tyler Johnson goal gave them that victory. They were patient. They got impatient, specifically in game five. And we saw how Columbus took the game over in the second period. But you have to be sit back and wait. The Bruins, to me, and I've, I've talked about this before, they are a team that will wait you out. They will not, I'm not saying they sit back, but they don't make mistakes. They don't force plays. Very often. So if you're going to beat the Bruins, you have to beat the Bruins. They are not going to beat themselves. So that to me is probably the biggest key. Everything we've already talked about, the goaltending, the back-to-backs, the special teams, all that. To me, the biggest key is how patient can the Lightning be? And I've said it before. The Bruins, in some ways, are the model that the Lightning need to emulate for that reason. And that's why it was so key in that round-robin game against the Bruins, early on in the series against Columbus, they didn't force things. They weren't looking for the cross-seam pass too often. They weren't trying to make cross-ice passes in the neutral zone. They kept it pretty straightforward, pretty north-south. You know, not too many bad plays at the blue line. Look, a couple here and there. You're never going to play a perfect game. But for the most part, when the plays weren't there, they would get the puck in deep, 
you know, or they would pull up at the circle and just be more patient with a play to develop rather than forcing a play to happen. Ha- that has to happen in this series. You can't feed the Bruins turnovers. They will gobble them up and they will burn you. It's what they did against Carolina. Carolina, a younger team. They put themselves in situations to turn the puck over and it, it ended up costing them. That's what really turned the tide in the series against uh, the, the Bruins and the Hurricanes. So, and the last thing we'll keep an eye on, as I mentioned, the power play disparity. Boy, if you thought there was a lot of disparity, look, Columbus doesn't take a lot of penalties. They're a pretty disciplined team. But I'm pretty sure somewhere whispering through the trees in my backyard, I can hear original six rule book. Original six rule book. I'm sure that'll come up at some point during the the series because whether you want to believe it or not, there are plenty of people who do believe it, so we'll keep an eye on that situation. All right, so those are my biggest keys for this series. Uh, again, we're going to try and keep doing uh, post-game podcast recaps. It, it, it's, it's going to be a challenge, there's no doubt, um, with these back-to-backs, but uh, we're going to do our best here to kind of keep everything uh, in line. Of course, that includes taking your questions, which I'm going to do right now, as we get set to wrap up this preview edition for round two. Again, game one on Sunday at 8 o'clock. That's on NBC. Uh, by the way, no more Fox Sports Sun for the games. I know, Rick Peckham. Sorry, you don't get to hear him anymore. Uh, we, I don't think we've seen the last of Rick Peckham involved, uh, but not with the NBC side. Uh, so the game, again, all games are on NBC. And the Sunday night game, by the way, is on main NBC, not NBC Sportsnet. It's on main NBC. So if you're listening in the Tampa area, that's Channel 8. All right, let's get these questions because there's a few of them, and one of them is certainly a very uh, topical topic that a lot of people are asking. Um, from Al, uh, clarify something, please. The conference finals are in Toronto and only the finals are in Edmonton. That is correct. Talked about that a little bit earlier in the show. So once the Eastern Conference is done here with these four teams, they will actually travel to Edmonton and head to the bubble there. So the Eastern and Western Conference Finals will take place in Edmonton uh, as, lo- as well as the Stanley Cup Final. Um, all right, from Stephanie, do you think the back-to-back games will benefit the Lightning as there is much depth at goaltender behind Halak? Yeah, I did answer that question uh, because I knew it was going to be something to uh, bring up, but I, I think that the, from the goaltending standpoint, there's no doubt that the Lightning have the better backup situation. Uh, didn't get a chance to ask John Cooper that. It's something that I, I wanted to ask, but I had another question I had to ask. And if you've seen any of these post games, it's it's really uh, controlled at the other end on who can ask questions and how many questions you can ask in the amount of time that you're allotted. Uh, so that question was not able to get uh, put up to. Um, John Cooper to see how he was going to handle that or the schedule. So uh, we'll just keep an eye on that. From Alex Selivanov, not spelled like Selivanov, Selivanov. Uh, who do you like on the matchup versus the per- perfection line? Again, I think John Cooper is going to want to go for the Sorelli line first uh, and then see how they do. They have The good thing is, is they have the ability to interchange, right? Like if you felt you wanted to put the Yanni Gord line out against Bergeron, you feel comfortable with that. If you had to put Braden Point out there, you feel comfortable with it. That's the depth. 
that the Lightning have that they feel comfortable at any of those matchup situations. But I'm pretty sure you're going to start uh, with Anthony Sorelli's line, which right now has Alex Kalorn and Tyler Johnson. Uh, from Pat, uh, I know I'm looking ahead, but which Lightning players do you see in a Seattle uniform? Johnson, Gord, Kalorn, or Palat, clauses notwithstanding. Uh, well, all four of those players have some form of a no-trade clause. Uh, Alex Kalorns does shift to a modified no-trade after this season. And the thing about this, too, is Seattle doesn't come in the league until after next season. So they don't enter as a franchise until the 21-22 season. So the expansion draft won't even take place until next offseason. So there's, are, there's some cap situations that the Lightning have to deal with first before you can even get to Seattle. Um, from Evgeny Lightning fan, whose handle is One Bolt Nation. Uh, is there any chance we see Stammer the series? If not, when do you think he might be back? Yeah, I knew this question was going to come up. Uh, and this is also part of a question from Mark Butcher, who is actually a Bruins fan, uh, had this same question. So I hope Mark listens to this and gets some insight on the Tampa Bay side. Um, John Cooper was asked. It's, it's status quo. Uh, he's not available. And when he is is when there'll be an update. I would have to say at this point, since we're not getting updates, we can't watch practice. We don't even know if, uh, if he's on the ice, if anything. Um, at this point, I think you have to just assume he won't be able to play unless told otherwise. And I think the players have that approach. Uh, so, again, I don't have any direct insight into exactly the uh, the situation, but uh I think it's safe for Lightning fans alike to just kind of sit here and say, you know what, better off to just kind of look forward that he might not be able to play, probably won't be able to play, and then if he does, it's a bonus and he comes back. Uh, from Thomas Seifert, who's HockeyTom99 on Twitter, uh, how much influence may Stamkos have at the moment with the team? Uh, the max at the game will be the locker room, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the things about Stamkos is uh, even when he was injured and the times that he was going through those injuries, he always kept a positive uh, focus. Uh, that's just kind of who he is. That's his upbeat mentality. Um, so, yeah, I, I think any influence he's going to have on the team is going to remain positive no matter how it's done. You know, he doesn't have to be in the locker room to have that. Like, there's there's ways to interact with your team uh, no matter what nowadays, right? So, um, but that's the influence that he can have. Uh, from Kevin, KM Dute on Twitter, who is most likely to be licked by Marshand? My money's on Gord. Uh, I would hope in the age of coronavirus that there is no licking. This is a lick-free zone inside the bubble, hopefully outside the bubble too, but a lick-free zone. And look, let's face it, if he does something like that, if he pulls something like that again, um, I, I don't think he's going to get away with it. And look, he, he, he'll he try antics. He'll try anything he can to get an edge. Uh, that was one thing that he tried to do. It didn't work. Of course, he did that to Ryan Callahan, the whole Lickgate situation from uh, two years ago uh, in Boston. Um, but no, I don't see any licking again. A lick-free zone. Uh, and the last one, uh, from Kenny P, would the NHL alter the series schedule if the first game of the back-to-back goes into multiple overtimes, say five overtimes? <laughs> well, we know that that can happen, right? 
uh, I would have to think that they would adjust it. I don't think in any way, any way, shape, or form it's fair to put the players through that. I know that both teams would have to do it, but you know, John Cooper talked about how much that five overtime game was still sort of lingering, still had some effects on the team three games later. You know, that's why it was important for them to win the series, of course, but win it in five to get a couple of extra days of rest. Uh, I'm sure they would have liked to have seen Montreal win game six against Philadelphia and force a game seven on Sunday because they would have had more time to sit around and rest until Tuesday. Uh, didn't get that. Um, three days off, I think, is actually probably okay with them. But yeah, I would have to think if there's a, a multiple overtime game, even if it's three overtimes, that they would have to look at rearranging the schedule. And the other thing is, too, is there's one day right now in this series scheduled where Philadelphia and the Islanders play a afternoon game. So now you have that possibility. We saw that, right? They had to push Carolina-Boston back a day and start in the morning because of that. More teams were involved a little harder to make those adjustments, just two series now. But if that game goes to multiple overtimes, then that changes everything as well. So there's a lot at play. There's a lot to worry about in those situations. Again, this is unusual, um, but that's what they have to deal with. But yeah, if there's a multiple overtime game, I think they have to make adjustments. And they do have that flexibility. That is the one thing about the format that they're playing is they do have some flexibility. All right. Um, Okay, before we sign off, the other series, Dallas-Colorado started Saturday night. I don't know when you're listening to this. Uh, These are probably what I expect to see out of these series. Uh, Dallas, stronger than I thought against Calgary. Colorado's a different animal. Uh, They can play with so much pace and speed. Nazem Kadri is having this playoffs of his life. Nathan McKinnon is an MVP candidate. Colorado is a difficult animal. I think Colorado probably takes that series against Dallas. Uh, The other Western one, Vancouver won Saturday or Friday night to eliminate St. Louis. Sets up Vegas versus Vancouver in round two. Great story Vancouver is. Some of their young players uh, were just kind of teetering on the playoff line at the end of the, the pause. Find themselves in round two against Vegas. I think we're all on a collision course here for Vegas and Colorado in the conference final. And I think that'd be a fun series. I think that would be a entertaining series on a lot of levels. And then you got the Islanders and the Flyers. And, (laughs) you know, I I had some quite a debate because I put something on my Twitter feed the other night that the Islanders are trying to drag hockey back to the dead puck era because of how they defend. And they don't, it's not a neutral zone trap. They have some guys who can get up the ice and counter. Matt Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier has had a fantastic postseason to this point. They can get up the ice, but watch them. They're similar to Columbus. They go into a shell in their own zone and then wait to counter. Well, guess what the Flyers do? They kind of play the same way. (laughs) I mean, that series is destined to have a bunch of 2-1 games and to be boring. Now, Having said that, we thought maybe the Montreal-Philadelphia one would be that way too, and it was for the first three games, first four games. Got exciting a little bit towards the end of that series, but that's going to be a boring series, and I think whoever comes out of that gets knocked out by whoever comes out of the Boston-Tampa Bay series. So I'm going to leave it at that. 
All right. Well, as always, I want to appreciate you uh, for listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it. Give it a five-star review. Uh, share it with your friends. Let them know it's here. We're trying to help this grow. Uh, I know a lot of people have had some really great feedback. I really appreciate all the uh, written reviews on Apple specifically. Uh, it just warms my heart to see the reaction to this. And let's kind of keep it going. Let's keep get things moving in the right direction here. Uh, if you have an interest in advertising, if you know somebody who wants to be on board with me on this and, and to support this podcast, let's have that conversation. My email is eric at lightninginsider.com. If you ever, ever have any questions, of course, you can find me at that email address or you can find me at Twitter. It's Eric underscore Erlinson. Again, that's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. We'll continue to do some of these post-game uh, podcasts after games. Uh, so look for them. If not that night, then by the next morning, uh, hopefully we will see it. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, for downloading. We'll catch you after game one. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.